0: And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold and thank you for joining me today. Hope your week's been going good. Looking forward to spending time with you today. I've got a uh, great show as always as I plan it for you. Think about what you might be interested in and what we can discuss. Um, I'm really glad to meet Dr. Jay Green for the first time today and you'll meet him too for the first time. He's a senior research fellow in the Heritage Foundation Center for Education Policy. Uh, I think Jay's about as smart as they get. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting with him, and we're going to talk about some of the very um, uh, crushing topics that are going on in education right now and talking about some of these uh, gender-affirming care and all that's going on. Jay, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, you went to Harvard, and I sent my application to Harvard, but they sent it back because (laughs) because apparently I didn't put a stamp on it. Talk about an uppity... College, <laughs> yes, yes, yes,
1: well, I went there for graduate school
0: that's what um, I mean, so it's right, very- right. very impressive
1: yeah, well thanks thanks um look it's there are a lot of smart people from all over the country, and there are a lot of dumb people at harvard too, so, you know. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i i uh, i would would agree so but yeah. i I appreciate the work you're doing um with the Heritage Foundation and the Center for education policy, and uh the education policy is something everyone's a pretty pretty interested in right now
1: yeah I mean look it's, it's an important area um, basically it has to do with how we raise our children yeah um, and education is just part of what we do to prepare our children for uh, an adult life that we think is the kind of adult life we, we wish them to have and um, and at the Center for Education Policy at Heritage our our goal is to empower parents to control the raising of their own children, which means controlling the education of their own children.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Jay, the I know the the current administration, the Biden administration, are declaring that if a that if gender affirming care uh, in the form of puberty blockers and cross sex hormones is not widely available and ready for in these trans identifying children. Uh, that they will have all kinds of despair and commit suicide, what are your thoughts on that
1: well uh, it 's it's an empirical claim right it 's a scientific claim that is not founded in scientific research
0: um,
1: and really, it constitutes a form of emotional blackmail or a threat that if 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 parents policymakers school officials don 't get on board with prescribing uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to young people that they're going to kill themselves. And so, look, most parents, uh, most adults are very hesitant about this. Their, their, their natural instincts are that this isn't a good idea, but you can overcome those natural instincts if they think the kids will die if they don't do it. And so this is a very manipulative claim that the Biden administration is putting forward, it's also a false claim. And mm-hmm. this new study that I've done with, with the Heritage Foundation actually documents that, if anything, it's more likely the case that that making these drugs more widely available is exacerbating suicide rates as opposed to preventing them.
0: Yeah, I would probably complete, I would completely agree. All right, let's just put this in context. Let's just look one generation ago. Let's just say you and I are back in uh, grade school. Uh, what would your parents have said about this conversation
1: right well you know look when parents have children they they generally don't have uh, in their their plans for, for their children that they be, you know, chemically sterilized <laughs> right. uh
2: and,
1: and that they never have grandchildren and that they that their sons become daughters or their daughters become sons. This generally is not in, in what parents are expecting. Um now Look, uh, young young people are having a hard time growing up these days. There are a lot of challenges they're facing, and there is widespread depress- depression and anxiety. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But w- as adults, we have to be helping young people handle these challenges of growing up, as opposed to giving them false solutions, which actually exacerbate their problems. And I think that's that's what the transgender movement is. It's a false solution claiming to solve the the true problems that young people are facing as they grow up Um, it's particularly affecting girls Um, and so the the girls who might have been drawn to things like eating disorders or uh, cutting are instead being drawn to um, these body transformations pharmacologically or surgically as part of the transgender movement. These are, these are ways of changing their external selves to try to address internal turmoil that they have, but we can help them with their internal turmoil without having to, you know, transform their bodies.
0: Mm -hmm. Jay, a fifth grader can't go buy alcohol and a fifth grader can't buy cigarettes. uh, Why would a fifth grader go and get puberty blocking drugs without the parent's permission? Just try to make sense of that for me.
1: So, um, mostly they don't. So mostly it is occurring with parental consent, but with coercion of the parents. And the coercion is this suicide threat. Okay. Um, So it kind of goes in three stages. The first stage is what's called social transition. This is um, where uh, the adults often in school um help young people change their pronouns, change their names, change the sex that they're registered as in the school uh, official records, um change what bathrooms they use, change what sports teams are on. This is a social transition. The next the next stage is what's what's called a pharmacological transition, which is taking puberty blockers or or cross-sex hormones. and the third stage, is surgical transition, that is um, double mastectomies or castration, right? So there's, so so more more extreme body transformations. Now, young people start on this path, often being recruited by other young people. So girls are pressuring other girls often online, Uh, This was true of eating disorder and cutting crazes, and it's also true of the transgender craze. So there's a lot of peer influence Mm -hmm. in this, but when girls would show up at school with obvious eating disorders or with evidence of cutting, the adults would immediately recognize this as a problem, and they would coordinate with the parents to address the problem and address the underlying mental health issues that led to these problems. Um, But now what's happening is when the kid shows up at school and says, uh, I think I'm in the wrong body, uh, the school officials believe that the right thing for them to do is to affirm this as the expression of the true self of the child. This is the authentic child. And to question it would be to not to affirm their true uh, identity. Uh, or might even be seen as conversion therapy and inappropriate or even illegal. Um, And so they, they affirm it by facilitating the social transition, and they often do it in secret from the parents so that by the time you get to pharmacological transition, the kid has gotten very far along with the assistance of adults in school, and then it's presented as a fait accompli to parents. Parents are told, "Your your daughter is now a boy. Um, this is the reality. If you don't get on board, your kid is going to kill him yeah. or herself." Right, and that that threat is often what gets the parents to often reluctantly sign on, but they're they're being coerced at that point. Uh and the parents should be seen as as victims in this case, as as I think are the children. Hmm. Um, they're victims of a of a craze um with irresponsible adults facilitating it.
0: Takes my breath away, Jay.
1: Yes. And I mean, look, this was exactly my reaction. I I mostly do research research on education policy but i was at a uh, an all day conference at heritage foundation organized by my colleague jay richards and i heard this all day long this kind of story and i was i thought there has to be something i can do about this and i knew right away that i could focus on this empirical claim the claim is that these drugs save lives These are life-saving therapies. That's what the Biden administration says. Mm -hmm. And so I looked into what was the research basis for that claim. The research basis is thin and weak, very bad. And then I thought of a better way to analyze the evidence. And the the better way of analyzing the evidence shows that the opposite is true, that these drugs actually exacerbate suicide
0: risks rather than reduce them. Mm Mm-hmm. And that should make everyone, like me, kind of upset right now, because <laughs> I hate hearing stuff like this when the opposite is true.
1: Right. I Although, I look, I, I think there's there's a lot of reason for hope and optimism here. Oh, good. I do think the tide is turning on this. Good. This is the kind of craze that cannot last forever, and it will not last forever, and it's already, I think, beginning to crumble. It, it requires the constant recruitment of new uh, adherents to this craze. So they have to constantly be recruiting new young people into it um, to keep it going because it loses its steam. It loses its its social contagion appeal if you don't have new people entering it all the time. And I think that uh, people are beginning to stand up to this uh, emotional extortion of the suicide threat and beginning to question whether it really makes sense or not. because it, 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 Even our common sense can tell us that this doesn't sound like like the appropriate solution for when young people present with um, concerns about their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That our first impulse would not be to say your concerns are are the truth. <laughs> um and whatever you say is, cannot be questioned and must be accepted as your, as your authentic self. This, that's not how we handle children in general. So it's odd that we would do it in this circumstance.
3: Mm-hmm. Dr.
0: Jay Green is my guest, Senior Research Fellow, Center for Education at the Heritage Foundation, Center for Education Policy. We're going to take a little break when we come back uh, more with Jay. But if you have a question for him, you can text it over 877-933-2484. Be right back. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. I'm glad to have Dr. Jay Green on the show. He's written an article at the Heritage Foundation. You can go to heritage.org to see the article. It's called, Does Gender-Affirming Care for Trans Kids Actually Prevent Suicide? And he revealed the data in this um, uh, article. And a couple of the takeaways are that uh, there is some political abuse of science. It's, again, emerging, emerging on the issue of gender dysphoria in adolescence and the state and federal governments should reverse the push to make puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones more widely and readily available to minors. Jay, I'd love for you to say more about that.
1: Sure. So, I mean, there are um, important policy reforms that we can encourage uh, uh, both federal and state actors to pursue. Uh, one of these is um, is to uh, make... Uh, a minimum age requirement for use of these drugs. Um, uh, uh, This is uh, something that actually has been done in Europe. Europe, uh, in in countries like Finland uh, and, and the U.K., they actually started with the use of these drugs several years before the United States, and they encountered problems with them. They noticed that this was not going well. And they have increased the minimum age requirements before people could uh, start taking uh, these drugs. Um, I believe in the UK it's 16. Um, you know, we could consider the, raising a minimum age to that uh, level, or to the age of majority, the age of, you know, age of 18. So that's one thing that we could pursue. Another thing we can pursue is tightening the eligibility requirements. That is making sure that there's more careful screening. Uh of the underlying mental health issues that young people have before these drugs are considered um, and uh, and then I think um, you know another thing that we can do that would be important is is address liability issues for the use of these drugs. So there's some federal legislation where they're considering making the anyone who prescribes these drugs potentially liable if the children who who get them later on uh, experience negative effects and regret it. Um, after all, this is being done to children. Um, and uh and so we might want to alter the the liability arrangements so that Uh, everyone is a little bit more cautious about handing out these drugs uh, to to children who are not really in a position to give consent.
0: Mm -hmm. Dr. Jay Green is my guest. Jay, I'd love for you to talk more about the idea that we hear the buzzwords and we hear what we're learning from media. And of course, that is if they don't get these uh, access to these cross-sex treatments, that they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're not going to – if they can get these drugs, they won't commit suicide. That is just not true. Right.
1: Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. And that, actually, there is one other really important reform that, that I forgot to mention uh, that, that's probably the, the most important, which is we need to, to prohibit schools from keeping these things secret from parents.
0: Oh,
1: amen. Um, there should be nothing about a child that occurs at school that should be secret from the child's own parents. Um, And so uh, it's essential that parents be involved in their children's lives and be consulted for all important decisions about that child's uh, future. And um, so the social transition that is facilitated at school would not get very far if they had to Uh, consult with parents before they changed pronouns, before they changed names, before they changed locker rooms and sports teams and bathrooms. Um, None of these things should be occurring in secret from parents. Look, Mm -hmm. there are schools that even have um, uh, closets with clothes so that children can change clothes to be the other, other gender's clothes at school so that the parents wouldn't know. So the parents wouldn't see the child leave the house wearing wearing clothing uh, of of the other gender. Um, And so this this type of facilitated secrecy or active deception of parents is the first and most dangerous step down the path that eventually leads to. Prescription drugs and then surgery, um, but I think if if we could nip it out in the social transition stage, um, we'd have a lot less to worry about
0: with the drugs and with the, with the surgeries. Hmm. Jay, I'm thinking about so if your 11 year old son went to school one day and comes back with a permanent tattoo on his neck, uh, right. well, I mean, what are your thoughts as a parent? You weren't consulted, what? and now he's got this gigantic dragon on his neck. Yeah, And he's 11. Sure. And they took him to a tattoo parlor and they had that done. And do right. you not as a parent kind of go berserk?
1: Look, in many states, uh, even with parental consent, a child cannot get a tattoo. I know. But, right? right. <laughs> um, <laughs> let alone in secret from the parent. Right. Um, so, I mean, just because we have parental consent doesn't mean that children can do things. Even with parental consent, a child child can't buy alcohol or vote, um, you know, there are a lot of things that children can't do, even if the parents say it's okay. And so as public officials, um, public authorities might decide that for the protection of welfare of children, that we might want to delay these decisions until the children themselves are of an age where they can provide informed consent.
0: Yeah. So they they can't come home with a big tattoo on their neck, but they can come home and, they kind of cha- started the change process of going from one sex to another.
1: Right. They could say, I'm, I'm now, uh, you know, uh, a boy uh, or a girl, uh, and my name is now this. Um, uh, but honestly, a lot of that is they don't come home right away. Uh, a lot of this is happening at school um, in secret from parents. And this is particularly, again, this is particularly affecting girls. So if this were merely the expression of the true self of, the, of young people, and we simply had a more accepting society where finally people could, could be their true self, we would see this increase occurring in both boys and girls. Um, but instead what we see is, is that identifying as transgender was incredibly underrepresented among girls in the past and is now incredibly overrepresented, and that has the pattern of a social contagion. That mm-hmm. is a, a craze where girls will begin to influence other girls um, that this is the way to go, to be cool, to be accepted, and to handle the difficulties of being an adolescent girl because it's a that's tough, um, and we have to recognize those challenges and help young people with those challenges um, so that they don't resort to counterproductive solutions that are being offered by their peers.
0: Mm -hmm. If they're getting bullied or they're getting uh, no attention uh, in school, if they become trans, they become part of this brand new class of victims that become untouchable. They're almost like the, the new celebrities.
1: That's true. They're, it's like queen for the day, right? You, yeah. you get a lot of attention, a lot of affirmation. It feels very good, especially for for adolescent girls who have a lot of social anxieties um, and are worried about their popularity and, and place in, in in social status systems. Um, as, so there's an appeal there. Um, it, it, this also is disproportionately recruiting. Uh, young people on the autism spectrum, hmm. uh, particularly girls on the autism spectrum. Um, these are young people who have a harder time with social roles, mm-hmm. and a harder time understanding them and, and acquiring them from their environment. And so they're more uh, prey to suggestions that, uh, that, that, that their social roles should be changed, and that is that their gender roles should be changed. Um, so these are very vulnerable kids who are being scooped up into a transgender craze. Mm-hmm. But look, um, it's, it has always been the case that there are people who feel intensely like they're in the wrong body. This has been true for all of human history. Now, you know, what we make of that Fact is 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 hard to say, but in the past, no, almost entirely, was adult men um, who who felt, had this feeling, and it was incredibly rare. So this this spike up in adolescent girls is a completely new and and worrisome
3: thing.
0: um mm. uh, fascinating, Jay. I appreciate um, you coming on the show today. It's so nice to meet you, and thank you for the work you've done on this. And I'm glad to know that there is hope ahead.
1: I think there is. And, and look, I know it's an unpleasant topic, but, but I think it's important. And I think that we can work together and turn the tide on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Jay. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks. You Bye-bye. Dr. Bye-bye. Dr. Jay Green has been my guest. You can go to heritage.org and Google his name, uh, Jay Green, and you can see the article, does gender affirming care for trans kids actually prevent suicide? Here's the data. Jay's got it. So we take a break. When we come back, we had uh, a little change in the schedule. Dr. Greg Heddington was going to join me, but we have had Pastor Rudy come all the way from Ukraine. We've made space for him and his friend Peter Waller. They're going to talk about a humanitarian soccer uh, league that's going on right now. And we're going to hear about what God's doing in Ukraine from Pastor Rudy. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com.
2: It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show
0: with Bill Welcome back to the show. I think the wind of the Holy Spirit just blew into the studio, and here they are. I want to introduce the uh, Peter Woller and the pastor. You guys have got an amazing story to tell. Mm-hmm. I know this is a little um, unplanned, uh, so I want to hear everything. Peter Usta. welcome
2: to the show it is wonderful to be here and wonderful to be here with Pastor Rudy
0: and please introduce Pastor Rudy to our,
2: our listening audience um Pastor Rudy is the leader of family of Christ in Uzerod, uh, Ukraine he'll probably correct my my uh, pronunciation which is in the very western border Slovakian border inside of Ukraine um, he's been serving that region for about 10 years with the poor um, orphans uh, the disabled and when the war broke out, his network of of was in great need, but then that quickly expanded throughout the whole country. So, Family of Christ Uzzurod, um, Ukraine Hub has done over five million dollars of of humanitarian aid, critical military support with medical, and the first ninety days. In uh, what they're doing is just incredible. So. First of all, Peter, you've been on the show
0: before, and you're... Uh, great to be back. Great to have you back. Tell me how all this
2: relationship came about. I mean, this is an incredible story. Well, we, we really see God in it in so many ways. Um, I really just threw out there, um, after I tried to, to go to Ukraine in March and found out my passport was uh, uh, expired, um, <laughs> I uh, texted, emailed a, a friend in a missionary in Switzerland with YWAM and said, hey, is there any way we could get some... Ukraine refugees to come for a soccer tournament. I know it's a crazy idea. Um, could it ever happen? And uh, within hours, he connected me with Rudy, who he didn't really know. It was through a couple of connections. And we had no idea that uh, we would find a soccer coach that actually had a <laughs> soccer team. Now, his boys were refugees in Latvia mm. at the time, but, but he was there. And so we started putting together the dots, and then we had no idea not only that, we, that he was a Christian... And that he was a pastor and that he was doing this mammoth United Nations effort of distribution throughout the country. And and so, you know, it it was just amazing, you know. (laughs)
0: Lord, give me a sign,
2: any sign, right? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yes.
3: Here you are. Uh,
2: (laughs) And so, um, so so basically that just started the ball rolling. um, And uh, so many people along the way said, there's no way you're getting refugee youth without their families. Right in a in you know Ukraine embassy was shut down. They said we're not issuing any visas, and I don't know if we have time to tell that whole story of how these kids got visas. We have thirty five youth, twenty coaches, and uh, members of families that are with us for a three week tour that have um, come from Ukraine for this soccer tournament. They're actually come from six different countries. Okay, Um, we have refugees um, from Ukraine, from Hungary, from Norway, uh, from Switzerland. And from the country of Kansas,
3: yeah,
2: Kansas, as in Kansas, Kansas. Kansas. (laughs) There's 10,000 Ukraine refugees that have come here since the war um, in the Midwest. That's amazing. So, uh, Pastor
0: Rudy, tell me what you are seeing as far as a window of opportunity for the gospel right now.
3: Uh, It's amazing to uh, share the God, how God is big, and and the God is. um, are preparing more than something like uh, just transformation and reformation. But uh, the war is to give us the chance to see how the God is big and how God have a, the chance to bless his nation. And Ukraine now have a, a horrible time. Yeah, the kids dying, uh, women die, uh, the soldiers die. But in the end of when the war will win, uh, there will be the new beginning of new uh, i would see the christian life in ukraine and ukraine will have the chance to share about this all amazing stories how the people save how the people have a, a food water from nowhere because now people die because they do not have food mm-hmm. and they was occupied in the different cities and we did it a, a great job to how to evacuate people how to bring them food how bring them supplies how to Bring babies from different hospitals, so it's uh, it's going now we are here, the team is working, and it's amazing because now we have fifty people in the team, and there's thirty five of them refugees
2: not the the team back in Uzerrat he's not talking yeah. about his soccer team, right one of the amazing things is right there's there's all these refugees that are inside the western region, and I, what I personally and this has grown saw eighty five different he has basically eighty five full time volunteers. That are motivated fifty thousand volunteer hours in the first ninety days. Wow, yeah. that's his crew, um, <clears throat> and and he doesn't pay them because he can't. Mm-hmm. But but they are there. They're working overtime to help their country. It's amazing.
3: Yeah, and it's every day going miracles. The miracles what God showed. This doesn't matter how the dark will be. I will be there with you, and I will follow you because you're my child, and I will bring my child from the darkness place. To the the wonderful places. That is how we are here and we are always going uh, around and watching like in this everything building like in the movie, you know, we're still cannot understanding because now our trauma, what we have, because I was flying in an airplane and I have like a distress that's when we will be air, air, like air attack, air attack oh, sure. signal. And after that we came, nobody don't, no army, no soldiers, no like uh, the the warning. And now we, each of us have a trauma. Each of us mm-hmm. who are in Ukraine. Yeah. And now we have a healing time. And after that, we are coming and we're doing new projects. The refugee houses, like uh, adoption systems and everything What we will do. This is the what will build our country. Because uh, a lot of people ask us, what do you need? What do you need? We said, we don't need taxi. We need supplies. Mm-hmm. And the people like, oh, okay. So we're trying to here build a relationship. That's how we can help our country. Mm-hmm. Because... We have the chance to stay here, yeah? And just say, yeah, yeah, okay, I did it done. I done with God, you know, in Ukraine. I can stay in America. But no, we want to come back and build our Ukraine more stronger than before war. Mm-hmm. I really saw that,
2: um, what got expressed by the president, right? When he said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Right. When he said the same thing, right? They're willing to be the boots on the ground, right? They, they need stuff in almost every area, right? They, they need humanitarian aid to distribute. Um, They need medical supplies, right? Rudy served 17 orphanages, served 17 orphanages within that region. Those orphanages have doubled, right, both from parents dying, but also the orphanages in the east have shut Mm -hmm. down. Orphans cannot be refugees. They have to stay in the country. So these orphanages now doubled because they're getting more orphans from the west. The orphans are growing. Ukraine orphanage didn't have a lot of government help to begin with, okay? Okay. And they rely, if you're disabled in Ukraine, you don't get a lot, you don't, nothing like the American system. They, they rely on the local community, guys like Rudy, to do that. And now these orphanages have grown, um, just saints that are running these things, and they're doing it. Um, but Rudy and his crew, our family of, family of Christ hub, is continuing to supply them. Um, and it, it wasn't very fair that he brought me to these orphanages because I was just wrecked.
0: Yeah, I mean this. This story is overwhelming. First of all, it to is. have you here in the studio is yeah. incredible. It feels like just such a, an amazing blessing that a man of God from Ukraine is here telling stories, and what God has knit together with you two um, is it's such a powerful uh, at hand of God moment.
3: Yeah, it's amazing blessing, uh, and it's like uh, God gave you, and and after that, you just want to share with that and to show the people what is true because now in the news you cannot hear a lot of about ukraine you know when there is something like news or there's something happened but in ukraine what is the big difference uh there's no like the war you know the soldiers fight with the soldiers there's the one guy who have more rockets and he beginning to destroy the cities like in the field you know Mm -hmm. this is not the war this is just like a genocide of Ukrainian nation Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if this is a woman on a train or there's kids in a train. They begin shooting in a train. There was a big sign, and when it was evacuation, the first days about orphans, orphans evacuation, and they begin just shooting in the train. So yeah. what we are talking about? We talk about army, or we talk about like a, the people who are want to like a, destroy the nation, you know? And from what the war begin because they don't like a, that we are have a, like a Nazis or something like that. They said. And they begin the war. You don't have it in your country, Nazis? You have. In Russia? 100% they have. And after that, they were thinking like how to made our, control our life because you cannot go in EU. Why we cannot go? This is our country. We are independent. And this is why we build our country, not to listen to communism because communism show us what was going on. Oh, they said, oh, their NATO will be so close. From uh, from Poland to the Moscow, it's 15 minutes. From Ukraine, will be... Fourteen minutes, thirty seconds. So yeah. you know. So what is about? What are we talking about?
2: It, it's incredible that um, the the what seems to be the Russian tactic, right, is to try to just destroy the culture and the morale and to cause fear mm-hmm. in hopes that people will just lay down and run. Yeah. Because yeah. cultural centers, maternity wards, hospital, orphanages, civilians is a target. And and, uh, and that's just amazing to me, right? That doesn't get more news. But also, right, just last week, another city was sieged. That's no long right, in February and March, that would have been in the news. But now whole cities get sieged. And then what happens? Well, there's another 500,000 refugees from that. Wow. And, how, and how, how do they get out, right? That's no longer, that was in the front page news, right, in the beginning of March. And that's just kind of natural part of the news cycle, right? It's not the, it's not. It's a little bit of a story now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of why we're doing this Minnesota tour, right, with these 35 youth, to just continue to bring awareness, right, of what's going on and to try to raise more awareness and funds for more humanitarian aid, especially transportation. Wow.
0: So, Pastor uh, Rudy, when you, uh, you've spent your whole life in Ukraine? Yeah. Okay. And then the your home, what kind of condition is it in? Uh, safe. Oh, so he, is oh, so, so. He's good. in the
2: very west. Okay, yeah.
0: all right. So um, as we are uh, praying all the time for what's going on in Ukraine, and and as you're making me aware of these orphanages that are exploding, I mean the the, the needs are just amazing.
3: Yeah, to rebuild all country. It's daunting, isn't it? Yeah, seventy five percent of a country are need to rebuild. Yeah, and what's so amazing to me.
2: Rudy represented what was spoken by the president, which I saw in almost everybody there, was this attitude, we're not going to lose the war. It, it might take 20 years, everything might be destroyed, but we are not losing. Yeah. And it was just amazing
3: to me. We just lost the heroes, you know, because we lost the the men who are the powerful spirit and they are Christians who are taking guns and protect their country, mm-hmm. protect the kids. And now there one old guy who was really Christian, and he was the sniper. He died uh, two weeks ago, and there was the biggest funeral like uh, in uh, Kiev. What you can expect, because all people coming and to be honor, to give him like uh, the last way in his in this land. But now everybody support his wife, his uh, kids. But he was the he's a hero, and he have many stories about him. And this is the amazing because one of the biggest international army now in Ukraine. It's 20,000 soldiers. Wow. And it mostly mm-hmm. it's Americans, British, Koreans, and Japans, and they are there, they are fighting for the freedom of Ukraine. And this is our uh, honor to be in, uh, in USA, represent Ukraine, and to say for Americans, moms, dads, who are, give the chance for their sons to go and uh, fight in the right uh, position for the freedom from the darkness. Because this is not like what I said, it's not a war. This is just the guy who have a, too much rockets and so he's just trying to destroy the cities. Like a, And and he said, i saved my Russians people. The Russians die in that building. Who said, like, we have a Russian passport. And the so rockets came, Boop. no, no Russian, no no building. This is why we need ads and this is why we need, uh, thanks God, uh, American now Langley's, we have... Now we have more ads, but humanitarian catastrophe in Ukraine will be five ten years. Hmm.
0: Well, let me take a little break. I'm speaking to uh, uh, Peter and the pastor uh, Rudy from Ukraine. Uh, pastor Rudy is from Ukraine, and they're here on a soccer humanitarian, U- humanitarian diplomatic, diplomatic, Tour. diplomatic Raise awareness. <laughs> uh,
2: there's uh, 35 players. Here. Thirty-five youth, thirty-five youth, thirteen to through sixteen-year-olds, and it's going on this weekend, right? And it's, it's going this next week between um, now um, and July eighth until July sixteenth, and then we'll be doing jamborees in Duluth and Rochester, nice. and kind of a finale at the National Sports Center, July twenty-fifth. Fantastic. Well, take a short break and be right back.
0: This is generally the portion of the show where I play Ukrainian music. I just don't happen to have any. <laughs> but wouldn't you know that's my luck, Peter? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, you used to be funny. but, I, I, but... Exactly. <laughs> Peter Weller's here along uh, with Pastor Rudy, and I asked him to pronounce his last name for me, and I couldn't really say it. So, Pastor Rudy, why don't you pronounce it for everyone?
3: <laughs> See what I mean?
0: <laughs> All 17 letters. Yeah. And if you try to look at how it's spelled, the letters aren't even going in the right yeah. direction. Yeah.
2: There's, some of them are numbers too.
0: Yeah. So again, uh, just to catch up, we are uh, uh, raising awareness for the immense humanitarian needs in Ukraine right now. And I know everyone who's listening has got a heart for this. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of events that are going on related to what you guys are in town for. And people I know are going to be interested.
2: Um, yeah. Even guys, if they couldn't attend, they'd want to see what's going on. Absolutely. These guys are here till the 26th. And we're doing the USA Cup at the first week here. And then we'll be here for another 10 days doing jamborees, um, pray for Ukraine events, uh, being in churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can get that. People can get that information if they would text Ukraine Youth one word to nine one nine nine nine. That's Ukraine youth to nine one nine nine nine. And there's information not only about um, the tour, but also uh, about the, um, what family of Christ Uzerod hub is doing in Ukraine. What Rudy directs, they've done $5 million of aid in the first 90 days and they continue one of the significant things is them being a hub, having a warehouse and being right on the West. It does two things. One, aid from the West can easily get to them from Western countries. And then because they're Ukrainian, they can distribute that um, and they have people willing to even go in harm's way just right next to the front, like within a mile. Rudy has connections with the army that tell him, OK, it's safe to come in now. Um, they're making field medical kits. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mike Lindell. When I went over there, I was trying to get the blood clotting powder because I was told that was really important. Couldn't find it anywhere. I'm over there. I'm packing <laughs> a field medical kit. And once you know it, I see Mike Lindell's face <laughs> on this blood clotting powder. And, yeah. you know, and I was like, God bless him. I mean, only oh, figured out a bunch of stuff with COVID of doing whatever mask. And now he's figured out that this is an essential thing. And he must have turned some of his factories to do that. Wow. Um, but <laughs> But one of the things that's significant, Bill, is there's a lot of aid now that is stuck at the border. A lot of organizations aren't allowed to cross the border. So it's literally sitting there in Poland and Slovakian borders. These guys can get that aid, but, but the thing that limits them is their transportation. Um, Rudy's done $5 million of aid on about $150,000 of donations. We talked earlier about all the volunteer help he gets from refugees where he's at. Um, but then also just the distribution of it, um, is absolutely remarkable and what they can do. Say more about that, Peter. um, Or Rudy, whoever wants to talk. talk about talk about the fleets of trucks. He's constantly sending fleets of trucks to all these 70 different cities in the West. Um, They've done close to 500 runs in the first 90 days. But after they empty the, the humanitarian aid, the medical field supplies to military outposts, hospitals, churches, orphanages, then with the empty vans, they bring in the disabled refugees, children. Elderly people that want to go to the west but can't in these cities that are about to are cities that are siege. So, um, so talk about that a little bit, Rudy.
3: Yeah, a lot of people ask us, uh, "What do you need?" Uh, and we said everything <laughs> from the closest shoes, uh, food, uh, medical equipment, medical for the soldiers and for everyone. And the problem is, is like uh, when you are uh, a lot of people afraid to cross the Ukrainian border because they're thinking, like, you will cross, you will die. And the trucks are stocking like a, and they don't wanna. So we, the biggest need is like a gas, because the gas in Ukraine are so expensive. And when we look at the price in America, it's really cheap in America. So the outer parts. Yeah, you're and, saying
2: gas is cheap in America? Just yeah? wanna mark that. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, in right. Ukraine,
3: it's twice price. Okay. Twice bigger. Uh, and uh, we have a problem with gas. So we was, uh, like I have a need to do our own gas stations. So can you imagine, like, uh, how God gave us a wisdom? You guys need to do gas gas station, and next day, no gas. And it's like, uh, we have a gas, nobody don't have a gas. And because the our cars, uh, in one went drive, like, uh, to 2,500 uh, miles
2: they, for one trip. You went 150,000 miles in the yeah. first 90 days on your cumulative trips. And properly. we changed it five engines because the cars didn't so have the chance. part of his fleet... It is a fleet, but uh-huh. some of these vehicles have 200,000 miles plus on them, okay? And so one of the biggest needs we're trying to raise awareness, if we can get Rudy some transportation, some uh-huh. decent transportation, and a budget for fuel, the amount of aid that he can get across that country that is literally just sitting at the border is
3: just immense. Mm. Yeah, and if what uh, what we were saying, like one American church would uh, send us every month one tank of the humanitarian help, it just bringing everything, sorting like a uh, toilet paper, diapers, sh- shoes, clothes for everyone. Because can you imagine twenty million people without house? Hmm. So how, how much you mean you need like uh, for summer, for like autumn, for winter, for spring? In uh, people want food every day. We have a restaurant who give the people in the horrible days. In one, just how, like our restaurant, what we are supporting, and all money goes from our accounts. So, seven to the nine thousand morning, lunch, and dinner. They've done a half million meals. So,
2: part of them being in the West, right? They're allowed to, that, that gives them ideal spot to be a hub for the rest of the country. But also, remember, these five million refugees inside the country are flooding their region. And so they're able, they're in need right they have very little um they're in shelters um they have very very little aid so rudy's group family of christ um hub and nusuride also is serving the refugees that are there so so it's really
3: like a multiple thing that they're doing yeah and it's like a, when you want to uh, bring from one to another region you need drive 20 26 hours in one way so it's just, just drive drive and asking the god because once as like a week ago one hour drive uh, late, and another drive way this who cool late. And if this driver came in the time in Kharkiv, he would die because the rocket came in that position where we, he, he was unloaded. So this is the God miracle every day. Yeah. And we're trying to share this in our pages. So we are asking like about eight to every month, because every day people want to have a food. Mm-hmm. It's a um you must feel sometimes
0: like you're trying to put out a forest fire with a squirt gun
3: sometimes yeah
0: yeah because the need is so enormous right yep so i'm just sitting here thinking um all right how can a little old me help
3: uh pray oh yeah pray share and come to ukraine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we need volunteers. We need missionaries. at those gas prices. <laughs> <out? Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Tell me when you want to go, Bill.
2: I'll be back many times this yeah. next year. Yeah.
3: Mish- we need missioners uh, I know that America sent a lot of missions in the whole world. Now it's saved. We have a couple of missionaries who are left their life, like give their life in Ukraine. We know many soldiers who internationally left their life in Ukraine. But we need people who would uh, give the time for the people because. The most uh, biggest psychology uh, and healing time in Christ is when you spend the time and listen to the person by coffee, by lunch, by mm-hmm. dinner. And the people, when they're not lonely, they don't have a think about suicide or to die. Yeah, And yeah. this is the biggest. what we Or need. the relatives. Yeah, the, tra- the level away. of trauma must be so up. deep. So uh, deep. But okay. so I also experienced there
2: is a window open, right? What I experienced too was many people that I... Believe we're nominal, or even atheists, are completely open to the gospel message, the good news of Christ. Open to prayer, open to the Holy Spirit, and they want to have a purpose. I'm with that. Um, you ask what can be done? We're in America, so I just challenge people to spread the word. You know, again, we're out of the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I'm gonna that Ukraine youth one word text it to nine one nine nine nine. Ukraine youth to nine one nine nine nine. There's a lot of social media stuff you could share. Um, a lot of it is bringing awareness. Uh, a lot of just the the different events that we're doing um, there. You could have um, significant interaction. Uh, we, we have a group of 55. Each of them we could do a radio show on the dynamics of, of, you know, when the war came, how they had to leave and living in another country now. And my, you know, my my wife and kids are in Poland as I'm still here, mm-hmm. you know, serving. And, and just the dynamics of that are, are just incredible. So I would encourage people to take some time, check that out, spread the word about it. This is an incredible opportunity having this group here for a short amount of time, these next three mm-hmm. weeks. And most importantly, we can
0: all effectively immediately start Petitioning the throne room of heaven that Amen. God would work yeah. in spectacular ways as you've been watching him work and been utterly amazed every day by what he's doing. Yep. Yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. Really been great, uh, Pastor Rudy. Thank you so much. And thank Peter, you. always good to see you.
2: Honored uh, to be uh, here.
0: I will continue to pray as we
2: all should for this uh, great initiative that's going on. Again, one more time U- Ukraine, Ukraine Youth, one word, 91999. Text Ukraine Youth to 91999. Thank you so much. We'll take a break and be right back.
0: Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.